Before we start, a quick note. The content of this episode should not be considered to be medical advice and no physician-patient relationship is implied. It's a quiet morning at Fox Chase Cancer Center, four days before Christmas, except in one waiting room where a crowd is gathered. It feels a little like we've come upon a surprise party at the beginning. There are grandparents, 20-somethings, at least one baby. They're carrying posters, they're buzzing with anticipation. They're standing around in bunches of three or four, and they're all waiting for one person. His name is Joey Sankey. He's 27 years old, a professional lacrosse coach and player, and today is his last day of chemotherapy. Uh, I'll never forget the first time I saw someone ring the bell. After I saw that one person do it, I kind of got the chills and got emotional seeing them do it. I was looking forward to that day on, on that Friday to ring the bell and, you know, my mom, my dad, all my brothers, they would always be like, you know, you have how many days, however many days, however many weeks till you ring the bell and it kind of just became a thing. This year, 1.7 million people will be diagnosed with cancer in the United States. Like Joey, some of them will end up here at Fox Chase Cancer Center in Northeast Philadelphia. Every day, our waiting rooms, laboratories, and clinics fill up with people searching for something, to take care of others, to find the next big breakthrough, or maybe just to feel like themselves again. This is Connected by Cancer, a new podcast from Fox Chase Cancer Center that's all about that search. I'm Andrew Becker, and each episode, we'll explore these connections together. But first, let's get back to Joey. It basically started in August when I started feeling a little discomfort. Uh, and I, luckily I didn't wait too long, but I probably waited you know, a little longer than I should have. But uh, I probably had the pain and discomfort uh, in, my, in my testicle for about a month. Finally, you know, I was like, all right, something's not right. I was hoping it'd be one of those things, you know, just pass, but who knows what it would have been. Um, but after a month, I decided to go see my doctor, uh, my primary physician, and he suggested that I go get an ultrasound. And so I got the ultrasound. He calls me the next day and, t you know, tells me that there was a, a mass and I would need to get it removed. And he said it very uh, nonchalantly. Um, you know, he's like, you know, it's like getting your tonsils taken out and everything. So I'm like, all right. So, <laughs> so after I got the, the surgery and then after my first blood work, uh, d that I did in the first month, it came back, uh, that I, that I did still have cancer and so that I would have to go through four rounds of chemo. So I, I mentally tried to prepare myself for the worst. And then if it ends up being better, great. So, I, But I had really had no idea what to expect. My first day of chemo was uh, that Monday, October 15th. And so it would be a week on, two weeks off. I did four rounds of that. My treatment was Monday through Friday. And it would be about five hours each day. Monday, Tuesday, part of Wednesday, I'd feel fine. Uh, you know, I'd, I would work out in the morning before I did my chemo. And then the second half of the week is when I could really start to feel it hit me. The metallic taste in my mouth, honestly, was by far the worst part of everything, uh, which doesn't, you know, going into it, I kind of brushed over that, but that was surprisingly probably the worst thing that I had to deal with, and there's just no getting rid of it. Um, and then the nausea would hit uh, later in the week as well. Um, you know, the, the best way I can explain is 
when you're feeling good, you know, life is in color, everything's great. And then when you're going through chemo or something, you know, life just seems like it's in black and white, just cloudy. You know, I would walk in, it would be the same thing every day. We had a, we had a good routine. I would walk in as I was getting weighed and blood pressure, um, temperature, everything. My mom would go to right to the chair and she would set up all, you know, I think she took like six blankets with her. She would cover the whole chair and get set up with, uh, get my ginger ale, she would get my water, she would, uh, you know, get everything situated. Uh, my dad would let my mom do her thing, and then then once I got settled in, my dad would come in, and they would both just sit there with me the whole time. And uh, But, you know, I can't tell you enough how, how appreciative I was that my parents were there every single day. Both my brothers visit me a few times throughout it. Uh, I kind of told them, you know, stay at work, don't don't feel like you need visit, because I, I didn't really want many visitors. But, you know, the biggest thing was me trying to get my parents and specifically my mom to start acting like them their normal selves you know when the first two or three weeks throughout the whole process my mom was kind of a wreck just so emotional so sad you could see it on her face she's a very happy person um, but you could see that this was killing her and I, finally I'm like mom you need to like I'm fine you know you need to you need to get over this and she finally you know after probably a week of chemo you know she was back to her normal self and Throughout the process, I'd be sitting in there and my mom and dad be bickering about something so stupid. And I'm, that's when I'm, I knew I'm like, all right, everything's, everything's back to normal. Uh, and so that's just how, how they uh, interact all the time. Uh, we're a big lacrosse family. Uh, you know, we played every sport imaginable growing up, but, you know, we kind of got, got stuck on lacrosse. Almost every one of my friends that I've made, it's through lacrosse. Uh, the schools that I've been able to go to is because of lacrosse, so I owe lacrosse everything. Um, and I don't know if that sounds sad or not, but uh, you know, it's, it's just the truth, it's, it's my life. Um, on top of the, the chemo was I had two knee surgeries um, before the, before I started chemo over the past year. So uh, this summer when I play again, it'll be it'll be two years since I played in the game. And so I, I tell everyone, I hope I remember how to play. Um, I'm definitely very nervous, but I'm lucky that I've played at the highest level and have met so many great people. And the outreach and the support that I received was, was overwhelming. The amount of texts and emails and calls that I got, the lacrosse community especially just it was it was tremendous to see how much they, they how how much they reached out to me. We'll be right back. At Fox Chase Cancer Center, we are pioneering novel therapies that give patients more treatment options, like hypofractionation. Safe, effective radiation treatment for prostate cancer that's delivered in weeks instead of months. It's just as tough on cancer, but it's easier on our patients. I'm Dr. Eric Horowitz, Chair of Radiation Oncology at Fox Chase Cancer Center. Where you start matters. Fox Chase Cancer Center, 888-FOX-CHASE. While we wait for Joey to finish his final treatment, I'd like to introduce you to Alan Zlatkin. Chemotherapy and, and frankly, the cancer experience is like trying to tell a stranger about rock and roll. You can't do it. 
He's a long-retired IRS worker. He's a father and grandfather and a former athlete. And he remembers waking up one night a couple of years ago with a sharp pain in his back and a premonition. An intuition or a premonition, I'm not sure which is the right word, uh, one night in the middle of the night when I was both uncomfortable and in pain that, that it was cancer. And I decided, as did my wife, that we would approach this two ways. One, positively, you know, I would I would keep uh, anxious thoughts out of my mind. And, and secondly, stoically. And... Uh, Fortunately, we were able to do that. You know, when when I when we got the diagnosis, um, we took this, the approach you've heard, I'm sure, before, and that is, okay, what do we do now to overcome it? He's been successfully treated for pancreatic cancer, which for him meant chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, and then more chemotherapy, stretching out over a year. But when he finished his treatment, he wasn't sure the bell fit into his plans. I wasn't going to do it because I'm. This may sound strange, but I can be real shy and private. I rang the bell for radiation, and and that that was kind of like, you know, it was all right. But I wasn't going to do anything because there's a whole bunch of people out there, and I thought, I don't want to make a a fool of myself. The nurse that I I had, I made the mistake of saying, today's my last treatment. She said, oh, we got to celebrate. She starts screaming to everybody, oh, it's his last last treatment. I said, listen, I really like to play this low-key. She said, oh, we're going we're gonna to celebrate. You're going out and ring the bell. And she brought this big billboard, you know, Al, Al, you know, survived chemotherapy, you know, whatever. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm mortified, you know. And she made me go out, and I rang the bell, and they took pictures and, and things uh, on my phone. And, and everybody applauded, and, and people shook my hand. And it was, like, such a fitting conclusion to to going through one of the toughest physical times in my life that, you know, I thought the girl knew what she was talking about. I'll never forget the experience. I had to coin phrases for myself and, and repeat them every day. And and the phrase I came up for myself was uh, diminished but never defeated. That That's how I've lived these last two years. And um, and I certainly was demi- diminished, as, as a lot of cancer patients are. My weight dropped from 182 to 140 before I began to rebound. And I, I had many side effects. I had incredible bouts of diarrhea. I had neuropathy. Yeah, I, I, I'm not fond of the word, frankly. Ulcers inside the mouth made it difficult uh, to eat or drink. You had to uh, use a salt solution. I developed infections in places I'd really not care to tell you about. It was just a kind of an awful experience in, in the context that, you know, nothing, like I said before, you, there's no way to tell what it's like until you endure it. It's like the uh, sword of Damocles. It's always hanging over your head by a thread, but you just can't look up. You've got to look forward. So, So we do. best thing that you can hear is the sound of the bell. There's nothing as uplifting as, as that sound, even more so than the bell that rings for the Philly home run. So, yeah. As we talked to patients and staffers about their experiences with the bell, we started to wonder how it became so important to this very serious process. It's almost mystical. And by the way, where did it come from? How did he even get here? Our search for answers led us to... 
Uh, my name is Marge Townsend. Um, I'm currently a volunteer in the infusion room. I was a nurse at Fox Chase for a total of 20 years. Um, three years I was here. I left, and as most of the nurses do, we come back. Eight years ago, while working as a nurse here, Marge had a frightening moment. I had had a mammogram, and six weeks later, I found a large cyst in my breast. Um, Kathy Evers, Dr. Evers, she said, well, aspirated. She said, there's some debris, and, um, but I don't think it's going to be anything, but the guidelines, we want to make sure. And here it was triple negative breast cancer that had never formed a tumor, and that's why the mammogram was negative. So I uh, immediately went to get one of my nursing friends, and we ran over to see the breast surgeon, and uh, I ended up having chemotherapy for five months, and then um, I had a double mastectomy. And this was over a period of about 10 months. I worked in phone triage during that time. Didn't have a hair on my head, didn't really care. And um, I feel as though Fox Chase saved my life, which my mother and her only sister both died of uh, triple negative breast cancer, aggressive. Mine was discovered before it became a tumor. So eight years and here I am, yes, survivor. Um, when I finished my treatment, I knew I wanted to do something special because I had had so much support from the staff here and the doctors. I mean, I was treated like real royalty. And I don't believe it was because I was a staff member. I think in the infusion room, everybody seems to be treated exactly the same as, as I was. So I wanted to think of an idea for a gift, that, and I could make a donation. I'm not a millionaire. I would have, you know, a wing in the hospital or something big. And I thought, what can I do that's just not a check? So I came across the idea. Um, I'm going to get a bell for the infusion room because when you walk between the hospital and the outpatient department, you can hear the bell ring down in radiation. You can hear everybody clap and the people walking by coming off the elevator full clap. And I decided that I didn't want the bell to say in honor of me. I didn't want anybody, they didn't have to know who bought the bell. Uh, so I wanted it and I thought, what could I have it say? And I thought, celebrate, simple. And then when they completely renovated the outpatient and all, I wasn't sure what would they do with the bell? Was it important? And they put it up immediately. And I was also told that there was someone who wanted to donate a bigger bell and was told, no, this has a lot of sentimental value. Although I do realize the bell isn't for everyone. There are patients that don't want the attention. Maybe they're done their chemo, but their, their, their disease isn't real stable. So they're never sure, are they going to come back? But the bell makes that day important for them and makes them happy for that day. That's what it's about. So uh, that's the story of the bell. For anyone who happens upon a bell ringing, the experience can be unforgettable. But for people who work in and around the infusion room, the bell is simply part of the soundtrack of their workday. I asked a longtime Fox Chase nurse, 
Does hearing the bell ever get old? No. Um, that's why I, um, I love my job as, as an oncology nurse. And, um, you know, I make a difference in everybody's life that I touch in that room every single day. And to be with them and to share in the moment of them finishing their treatment is, is just overwhelming. This is Karen Lorick. She's seen hundreds of patients ring the bell. Uh, I've been a nurse for 20 years. I've been at Fox Chase for 17 of the 20 years. What really inspired me to get in oncology is my father passed away of cancer in the Harrisburg area. And at that time, I was in accounting. So I really didn't, um, accounting wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, I did better with people. So I decided after he passed away that I was going to go back to nursing school. And then it led me into oncology, um, and I fell in love with it here and um, never left. So tell us about what your duties are as a nurse in the infusion room. Uh, administer chemotherapy to the patients and any other um, infusions that they might receive, like blood products or iron, or fluids, immunotherapy. But it, it's, it goes it's farther than that. It's... Um, you know, bringing the patient in, sitting them down, assessing them, seeing how they're feeling, putting an IV line into them, taking a look at their blood counts, making sure that all their numbers are in parameters, um, calling the physician with any problems, and then, you know, beginning their medications that they are supposed to receive that day. Um, and then also monitoring them for uh, allergic reactions to the chemotherapies, which is a very serious thing. Um, they're becoming more frequent, and sometimes they're life-threatening, the allergic reactions that they have. And that's it. And then at the end of the day, when they're finished their infusion, taking out their IV, and then, you know, and just getting them ready to go home for that day, you know, and then just be comfort to them while they're there. Why are you the person everybody told me to talk to about the bell? I'm really just very involved with it's the patients in general, anything that can make them happy. I, you know, I'm always for that, helping them with this, getting them a blanket, doing whatever. But the bell, I think, really makes a difference because um, it brings everyone together and it's happy for it's a happy time for someone. And other people get to share and say that they're going to have that someday as well. The patients really make it a big deal now. So they carry it on because... You know, they see another person ringing it while maybe they're waiting in the waiting room. And then they're thinking, you know, someday I'm going to ring that bell. And, you know, I'm going to it's like a sign of freedom that they don't have to come here anymore. Um, but then other patients maybe sitting in the waiting room might know in their mind that they're never going to be done chemotherapy, that they have, you know, chemotherapy treatment for life. Describe the bell. So the bell is basically the size of a, say, coffee cup. Um, and it is hangs on the wall outside of our infusion room in the waiting area. So there's a string hanging on it, and then they just ring it back and forth. Um, it's like a ship's bell. And it has a little plaque on it, and it says, let's celebrate, because it's a celebration of life and that they finished chemotherapy. About how often do patients ring the bell? Well, I'd say on any given day, um, three to four patients could ring the bell per day. Um, and since we are seeing sometimes 120, 150 patients a day, that's kind of a lot of patients. So I think in the beginning, maybe we felt a little 
uh, awkward or shy about encouraging patients to ring the bell, but the more now that it catches on and the more people that know about it, they want to ring the bell, then it becomes more a more um, popular thing. But a lot of nurses, I think, are sometimes shy. Some like the rallier in here that, you know, gets the patients up and like, okay, come on, let's ring the bell. Is that something that people talk about frequently during their treatment? Absolutely. You know, they, they'll even count down three more treatments till I ring that bell. And it puts life in perspective when you care for cancer patients that they don't take anything for granted and they don't sweat the small stuff in life. And every little thing that they get to do is um, one more day of living for them. So I feel that by them ringing the bell, that's just one more positive thing, that they've lived another day, you know, with cancer. And that brings us back to where we started, the waiting area outside the infusion room, where at least a couple dozen of Joey Sankey's family and friends are waiting to surprise him. Friday, December 21st, it was... It was my last day of treatment for my four rounds of chemo uh, to treat my testicular cancer. And, uh, you know, obviously you're in your fourth round. You don't feel great, but, I mean, it's also your last day of chemo. So I was pretty excited and uh, probably should have felt worse than I felt, but just the excitement of knowing it was my last day was awesome. I was expecting, like, two or three people to wait in the lobby, you know, maybe my brothers or someone to be out there. Uh, And then I walk out. and I just see the whole lobby packed with friends and family and uh, people who had jobs in New York that you know, skipped a day of work to come to be there just for that. So it was a pretty special moment to cap off what was kind of a, a rough few months. Thank you guys for coming. I appreciate it. Love you guys. Thank you so much. My parent, my... I want to thank my parents who they, they were here every single day with me. All of you guys texted me throughout the past three months. Thank you. I got a little emotional uh, at one point when I was just saying thank you to everyone. I couldn't really get many words out, but, uh, you know, I think hopefully everyone knows how appreciative I was that they were there and uh, there to support me throughout that journey. Standing here watching Joey celebrate with his friends and family, I'm reminded that the bell isn't just for the patient who's ringing it. It's a tangible reminder of all we do every day to prevail over cancer. It is truly the sound of our success. By Jake Richard from behind. And speaking of success. Nice little shovel and they score! Joey Sankey the finish. On June 2nd, less than six months after he rang the bell, Joey returned to the sport that he loved and scored his first competitive goal in more than two years. Credit Joey Sankey for staying with this play helping his team, the Redwoods, to an 11-9 victory in the inaugural weekend of the newly launched Professional Lacrosse League. I speak for everyone at Fox Chase when I say we're thrilled that he's begun a new chapter. (laughs) Connected by Cancer is the podcast of Fox Chase Cancer Center, and it's produced and edited by Joel Patterson and me, with help from Jonathan Pfeffer. Special thanks to Joey Sankey and his family for allowing us to crash their bell-ringing party. 
and to Alan Zlatkin, Marge Townsend, and Karen Lorick for sharing their stories with us. Thanks also to Blue Dot Sessions, who provided us with music, and to Rocket Summer Productions. Subscribe to Connected by Cancer in Apple Podcasts on foxchase.org or wherever you listen. And remember, the content of this episode should not be considered to be medical advice and no physician-patient relationship is implied. I'm Andrew Becker. Let's stay connected. Connected.